exactly what I'm preaching on this morning. We are so blessed to be here. Let's just pray. Precious Lord and Saviour, we thank you so much for this place. Not just this building, but for your people. Thank you so much for raising up a fellowship on this spot. Lord, we thank you so much that as Blackheath has grown, so has your church. Lord, you've always provided everything we need to be your people. Thank you for your Holy Spirit with us. And I pray that each and every one of us that meets here can sense just that strengthening that only you can give for us to carry on our lives outside these walls. Lord, we, we need you so much. And we love you so much. As we sang, you've got us through the fire. <laughs> and Lord, that, that is our God. Our God is an awesome God. May you be glorified through this word, I pray. Amen. We're going through the book of Colossians at the moment. Thanks, Rosemary. And I'm just going to read the next little section. Colossians 2, 16 to 23. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what, by what you eat or drink, or with regard to religious festivals, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen, they are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They've lost connection with the head from whom the whole body grows. Sorry, the whom, who, for whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to this world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. So Paul's started talking about being in Christ. And now he's, he's starting to give some really great practical instruction on how to live our lives. You know, this week I bit the bullet like many of our ministry leaders and started writing my annual report. Yes, sometimes when you do these things, they can feel like real, oh, is it that time of year again? But you know, just before I started writing, I was looking through the old cupboards in the office and I noticed this box, this treasure chest. It was full of old annual reports. And I know many of you are sitting there going, oh, you know, what could be less exciting than reading a whole bunch of annual reports? But they were absolutely faith-building. I went back to 1986. They, they go back to 1986. And, you know, it's interesting, Greg, you were the, the, the captain of the Boys' Brigade back then. And Dale, I think it was the year after you, you became captain of the Girls' Brigade. And it's just interesting, as I was reading the reports, many of you popped up. And that's so exciting to, to think going back for 30 years plus, there's, 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 there's 
news of what God has done here. And I was saying that to Lil, it's, it's not just these, you know, sort of interesting reports or, or, or uninteresting or whatever, it's the history of this church. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't done your reports, thank you so much for those that have, to, to, to keep in mind, you know, as I'm saying in my report, I'm, I'm not just writing this to you guys, I'm writing this to guys 40 and 50 and 60 years down the track to say this is what God did and is doing in 2019. So I encourage you, and I think that's just such a, a good indication of what it's like to live the Christian life, isn't it? And, and it seemed as I was reading these reports, there were some very common themes came up. As you go, beep, 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 yep, that's good. The common themes were, time goes so quickly. Everybody is so busy. Oh, that's to-do list, lots of things, something like that. Is that what it says, Rosemary? Yeah. Um, the third thing, change is inevitable. So, time goes so quickly, everyone's so busy, change is inevitable. That was being written in every report. Yeah, it just seems that that is a common theme. Things are busy. You know, life is busy. Life's full on. However, these themes also came up, even from the earliest reports. It, we are caught in a spiritual battle. But praise God, I love this next one. The Holy Spirit is our guide going way back to 1986, just this acknowledgement. Yes, life is busy, everything's changing, you know, there's so much to do. Thank God, we know it's a spiritual battle and He's one and the Holy Spirit's with us. And I love that, it just makes me appreciate that this church knows and has known for a long time there's more going on than what we see. And that's why we're here this morning, isn't it? Because we want to actually get, you know, grow in our faith and, and, and grow in our trust. And it's all got to do with the fact, and we sang it this morning, because of what Jesus has done. I love that first, or this one of the second songs. Jesus paid it all, you know, my sin was so great, he washed it white as snow. And that's why we're here, because of what Jesus has done. And the reason we exist is because we have the Holy Spirit with us. And I was thinking as I was writing this, that beautiful old, old song. Gee, I'm getting old. <laughs> it was an old hill song. It's only about 10 years old. It's, it's, you know, we spend our time touching heaven and changing earth. That's, that's our design. That's why we're here. Because we want our faith to make a difference in this world. And yet we have this tension, you know, between the temporal, life's so busy, it goes so quick. You know, change is inevitable and these eternal promises that we have. It's a spiritual battle, yes, but praise God he's here and we get the victory. And that's so important to know. As we look at Paul's letter, it seems that he's spending time the same thing. It's just this difference between what's going on in the world and what's happening in the greater picture. And he wants them to see, even though there is the tension yeah, there is a, a way in which the spiritual can impact the physical. He talks, for example, the temporal in verse 22. These rules, which, this, these rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use. They're temporal. They're all destined to perish. And they're based merely on human commands and teachings. To the eternal. You died with Christ. 
to the elemental spiritual forces in the world. Why, why do you live like you still belong to the world? So there's this sense of owning that we are eternal creatures. And in today's reading, we've got this dilemma that still, it seems to still always be present in the church. You know, Paul time and time again has declared this, you're good enough. From what Jesus has done, you are good enough for God. He looks at you and there is nothing separating you from the love of God. He is so pleased. He, he loves that you love Jesus. And he loves you with an unfailing love. But there's others saying that just is too good to be true. It's not enough just to have faith in Jesus. And they're being judged. The Christians in Colossae are being judged because they're not following all these other do's and don'ts you have to do to be a Christian. They want to tack on a lot of old rules. And it's to do with the Jewish faith. You know, that, the, the message is your way of life, this freedom that you have, is offensive to us. What, you just have to believe in Jesus and everything's right with you and God? It's not that easy. So in verse 16, you know, it's, it's just not good enough. You must be careful also what you eat and drink. You've also got to be careful. I think this is just so ironic. You've got to celebrate. That's you know, oh, you've got to celebrate. You've got to, you've, you've got to do all these things. The assumption is that the Jewish leaders, from the Jewish leaders is God's not going to be pleased with you unless you also do this whole list of things. So it's Jesus and all these rules. That's the only way God's going to be happy with you. Paul so strongly disagrees. And we strongly disagree, don't we? There's, there's just that sense. Jesus paid it all. You know, the, following the rules is redundant because of what Jesus has done. And he uses this imagery in verse 17 of shadows. Now, it's easy for us to understand about shadows, isn't it? But, but, but Paul's saying that, that these rules, all these things going on are shadows of what was coming. And at sunrise, it's a great example. When the sun's on the horizon, if you were to stand there, there'd be a big shadow. Like when the sun's low, you get long shadows. I tried to show it there. but so, so when you look at a shadow, you can't tell by looking at a shadow what I look like. Just by looking at the shadow. And it's the same sort of thing. Just by looking at the law, you can't tell what's going on. But now that the sun has risen, we see God in all of his glory. The sun is up, the shadow disappears. You get to see what God looks like and, and what we look like as God's people. We see perfectly. The rules were just a shadow. And we don't need the rules as a way to please God. God is pleased with us because the sun shines brightly. And in Jesus, you know, we see the true reality of God. There's no need for other expressions of faith. In, in verse 9 from last week, you remember, in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And when we surrender our lives to Christ, he comes to live in us. So that verse 10 says, in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. If you've got a full cup, there's no more you can need to pour in it, is it? You are full, we are full. Christ is the complete expression of God. 
We don't need to add anything else. But if that's not enough, they're, they're not only being told that the old needs to be followed, and it's not in with the new. Paul wants to say, out with the new too. So they've got people that are basically saying, there's also a lot of other stuff you've got to do just by, just besides worshipping Jesus. There's a whole lot of other stuff needs to happen. So they're tacking on things to Jesus. Paul quotes two of them in verse 18. First he says, there's people who delight in humility. The, uh, another verse, another version says, these proud men, though they claim to be so humble, there's a lot of sarcasm there. These proud men, though, they claim to be humble. And, and who remembers an old Mac Davis song? Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. Pete knows it. I can't wait till, yeah. It's hard to be, it's, it makes no sense to us looking on, does it? We, we, we think to ourselves, yeah, how can you, how can a proud person be humble? But that was very much what was happening in those days. There were people, in a sense, they were the spiritual ones. And didn't Jesus warn about such people? People who with their, you know, they, they make a fuss about fasting, make a fuss about giving, make a fuss about praying. Jesus says they've received their reward in full. And Paul would say exactly the same thing. They don't impress God. In fact, those last few words, they're puffed up by their unspiritual mind, the exact opposite of what they were trying to achieve. And added to that is the, the, this worshipping of angels. And in Paul's day, some people understood that angels were involved, they were actively involved in creation and actively involved in the government. So it was the angels that were sort of taking care of the world. So we needed to, to worship angels. We needed to actually go through the angels to get to God. It was almost like this, this level between us and God, this hierarchy that we had to sort of somehow get through. And it reminded me, of course, of, of, of the Middle Ages when I was reading a book a couple of months ago about a, a man who walked from, I think it's, it was a Wittenberg where Martin Luther lived. He walked a thousand miles to Rome. You know why I read it now, don't you? Because <laughs> he walked a thousand miles. He followed in Martin Luther's steps. And he was very interested he, as he went to all these churches to see there was just, you know, the, the, the worship of saints all through this, this land. There was just like a, a massive, um, everything was about the saints. And, and he, as he reflected on that, he wrote, in those times, God himself wasn't part of church. There was a sense where the Father was out there. He was out there. You know, Jesus, well, Jesus was this harsh judge. Wasn't happy with you. The Holy Spirit, well, he says the Holy Spirit was all but locked up in the Middle Ages. And so you had people going to the saints as mediators. And and it just, yeah, it's amazing. But they, they actually, I mean... It, that's the interesting thing. God worked through that system, but thank goodness it's not like that anymore. That the, in, in, in Paul's day and in that time, there's this, the need to have go-betweens. It's too good to be true that we can just go straight to God. And so these, these systems, they get so intricate, don't they? Like the, the law of old, we can just make it. If, if you don't trust 
by faith you can go straight to God, you, you make up a big list. In 2 Timothy 2.15, Paul says, There is one God and one mediator between God and humanity, Christ Jesus, himself human, fully God, fully man, the fullness of God. We don't need to go into anyone else. That's, that's a great conviction that we have as a heritage in the Baptist church. We don't need mediators. We are the priesthood of all believers. Praise God, we can just come here this morning and Jenny can just pray. We can just pray wherever we are, not needing any mediators. And that hierarchy was, was frowned upon in Paul's day. We, we frown upon it in our day because it's about as unchristian as you can get. Why? Because instead of connecting people to God, there's a disconnect that happens. He says in verse 19, they've lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. That's what God instated in the church, that we have this connection to God. From the head, the body grows. And when you add to that saving work of Christ, not only... Are you stuck in the shadows and kept in the dark? Not only are you considered unspiritual, but what's a a body without a head? Dead. Paul would say you are dead, you are a corpse. The exact opposite of what these people were claiming, saying they were spiritually alive, spiritually dead if you're disconnected to Jesus. Cut off. And so it's important for us to hear Paul's words, different rules apply to us. He says in verse 20, since you died with Christ, and it says to the elemental spiritual forces, and and we've been going through that in past weeks, haven't we? This, This idea that beyond what we see is this dominion of evil, dominion, they want domination. And so they're constantly trying to exert that. Paul's words, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Tell us that somehow, even though they've been told not to, they're they're in a sense, they're they're bowing down. They're, They're submitting to what they're being told. I think it's a powerful word and promise for us still in the 21st century church. That our growth isn't going to happen simply from us looking around. How can we get more people to come in? How can we somehow make church more attractive? Certainly there, there are, uh, uh, are ways which we can sort of learn from, but to, to, to rely on them alone, to just apply them expecting somehow if we do this, we're going to grow as a church even if they appear, appear to bear fruit, it's not going to be fruit that lasts unless we remain connected to Jesus. And I just want to read you know, Jesus' words in John 5.15, a, a, a nice different interpretation or a different translation of a very, very common verse. Jesus says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever lives with in me and I in him shall produce such a large crop of fruit. For apart from me, you can't do a thing. 
If anyone separates from me, he's thrown away like a useless branch, withers and is gathered into a pile with all the others and burned. But if you stay in me and obey my commands, you may ask any request you like and it will be granted. My true disciples produce bountiful harvests. This brings great glory to my Father. Just close your eyes and imagine that. If you stay in me, if you stay in me, do what I say. Listen to my words. Put them first. You can ask any request you like. And it's going to be granted. My true disciples produce bountiful harvest. We stay in Jesus. We ask and according to his will, we see bountiful harvest. We see fruit. But this fruit brings great glory to our Father in heaven. That's our heart's desire, isn't it? We don't want the glory. Not to us be the glory, but to you, God. To you be the glory. So where do we go? Where do we go from this really encouraging word? Well, hopefully you you remember last week and, and we celebrated communion with a connection, wanting a connection between the spiritual and the physical. We don't want it to be separated. We, we don't want there to be an inconsistency. That's my heart's desire. No inconsistency between what I think, what I feel, what I do and the God that I serve. It's no free-for-all in the Christian life. We have a Lord. We're no longer Lord of our lives. He, as it said in that verse, we obey his commands. We, we want to. It's all about Jesus. So, well, Paul makes it clear elsewhere that, that this Jesus isn't just someone wanting us to pray. You know, you, you, you pray for something and I'll give, it a, I'll give it a stamp. You know, I'll make it happen. It's very much... A Jesus who is Lord of heaven and earth, who one day we have to give an account to. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all, that, that's pretty all-encompassing, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. We want it to be a good thing, don't we? We actually want to say, yeah, we want the Lord to look at us and say, oh, good on you guys, good on you Blackheath Baptist Church. I love that you were listening to me. I love that you sought me. I love that you saw the harvest. And I love that it gave me glory. We're not bound though by a rule book. I love the, the NIV um, sort of subheading of this passage, freedom from human rules. But it's not freedom from God's rules. In a sense, we, we're bound to God and we want to be. Paul says elsewhere, you are, you are um, bond servants to Christ. We want to be. We actually want to be just connected to Jesus, following what he does. Where you, what you do, I do. What you say, I say. That, that desire. We have God with us and he's an active God and we want to be active with him. And of course, we focus on eternal things. We turn our eyes upon Jesus, not these perishing things. Verse 23, these rules may seem good, for rules of this kind require strong devotion and are humiliating and hard on the body, but they have no effect when it comes to conquering a person's evil thoughts and desires. They only make him proud. 
That is, if we have a whole lot of rules and, and Paul says, don't eat this, don't touch this, we just continue a pecking order, don't we? I'm better than you because I did that. You know, we don't want to see that in, in the past, you know, certainly Baptist churches have a bit of a reputation for their do's and don'ts. And it was a high standard, wasn't it? When you, I certainly know that myself when I didn't live up to the standards of the church that I grew up in. They, they got rid of me. Such was the way. I love it's not like that anymore. But there's certainly two problems. First is we don't need Jesus. If all we have to do is, is sort of follow a list, we can rely on our good works. And secondly, where do you stop? Where do you stop when you sort of go, well, you know, I've, I've just got to make the list bigger and bigger and we, and we get back to what we had. It's exhausting. It's a shadow of what has come. How do we conquer evil thoughts and desires? Well, first of all, we acknowledge we have them. And, we, you know, it's, and, and get in the light of Jesus and that happens, doesn't it? You're sort of like, oh, get away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. No, no, no. Follow me. Keep going. We acknowledge also that we live in a world in the presence of evil. And in this fast-paced, busy, changing words, listen to the wisdom of of, uh, Sunday School Superintendent Peter Sears. Do you remember, remember Peter Sears? Yeah, a couple of smiles, yeah. 1987, before I was even saved, he wrote these words. We live in the midst of a spiritual warfare more fierce than any earthly conflict. Each of us is born in occupied territory and the enemy's assaults begin almost from birth. TV, radio, music and the wisdom of this world are all agents that erode our spiritual senses so that as we approach what we foolishly call maturity, we've developed eyes that cannot see and ears that cannot hear. I I hope that Peter's in heaven now receiving the award. Would would that be... He he may not be, yeah... (laughs) He's still going, yeah. But, but aren't they, aren't they like, like, that's a man who knows his God. That's a man who knows it's, it's a tough gig living down here. It's a battle. It's tough. It's tough to be constantly holy as our God is holy. But the solution is not, is the exact opposite of us striving to do more. To please God. It comes from actually praising him for what he's done, doesn't it? In him, God declares, you are loved. You are so loved. You are good enough. Gratitude is our motivation. I'll finish with, with uh, church secretary Brian Stone. I think he's in Bathurst now. Yeah, I think we met him in Bathurst, didn't we? Yeah. 1986, the first report I read. In the midst of all our activity, God also calls us to be still and know that he is God. To remove all else from our minds and to concentrate on him. To meditate on him. To know that he is God. Not only with our minds, but to experience the reality of God personally. This is not an easy thing to do and without the spirit of God... It would be impossible. But the same spirit from whom Jesus received his strength lives within each of us who claim to be children of God. Aren't they priceless words? I don't think any of us would sort of say, oh, I think we've moved on from that. (laughs) You know, Thursday, someone came to see me and they just basically said, is it okay for Christians to drink alcohol? 
<laughs> I don't have to really answer that, do I? You are good enough. Each and every one of us has the Holy Spirit living in us. It's, it's between the Holy Spirit and you. You stay close to God. You, you stay in places like this where we fix our eyes on God. I trust that he will talk to you about that. We don't want to impose rules that say, no, 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 you can't do this or this or this, or you can do this or this. It's the delight of being a child of God is you are a child of God. And he is a father. And fathers, because they love us, sometimes want to say to us, you know, don't go down that. Who who knows that yet? Don't go there. Don't go there. You know, we, we, we trust that God is with us. We don't need mediators. Mediators are sometimes a bit of a cop-out. Basically, we, we can go straight to God. But we don't make it a rule. It's, it's not a rule. There's nothing that basically says, this is what we must do as God's people. Gratitude is our motivation. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. Thank you. May we be the first fruits of what you're going to do. We don't need to do anything more than just accept we are good enough and just trust that the Spirit of God lives in us and will get us through this battle called life. Let's pray. Precious Lord, sometimes I just love your word. It just, it just gives us a hope sometimes when we're feeling anything but hopeful. Lord God, I pray for each and every one of us this morning, Lord, that there's just this... Um, A gratitude, Lord, that says, thank you for this church. This church understands, this church doesn't sort of take light of the fact that it is a battle, that it is tough, Lord, but we we thank you so much for what you have done, Jesus. Here in November 2009, we say thank you for the cross. You are King of kings and Lord of lords, including in this place. Thank you that we have your Holy Spirit with us. Holy Spirit, just rain. Holy Spirit, light the fire. Keep the fire lit, Lord God. We, we want to give our God, our, our precious Father in heaven, all the glory. Thank you, Jesus. And in your name we pray. Amen.